Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you lovely lot are listening to this. Welcome to 11 Pieces of Me, the show where guests come on and take a trip down memory lane with some of their favourite players. It's not always about their best players, but players who mean something to them and have given them memories throughout their childhood. I'm your host, Ali, and my tag team partner for this evening is Ryan Goodman. Ryan, welcome back. Hello, how's it going? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Becoming a bit of a habit now. We're getting this getting this regular again. I know, apart from the times that I completely either forget that I've booked in you know, a recording or I end up double booking myself. Ah, well, what can you do? Family life, personal life outside. We move and we learn. Our guest is Mr. Tom Larner. Tom has recorded this episode before, um, with me and the boss before. We'll see a little malfunction in the recording. So, take two, Tom. I don't know what you mean. This is, this is the first time I've done it. Yeah, I was, you know, I was hoping you'd just ignore it, Ali. You know, it's the first, like, the first oh. time it's happened. I, I don't know what you mean. I, I, I'm honest with my fans. My, <laughs> my fans come on here and expect complete honesty during this series, and I will, I will break the fourth wall for them. <laughs> It's new to Ryan, so at least, hey. That's true, yeah. My reaction will be genuine. To well, be fair, I don't mem- know what my reaction was, so it will be genuine. I was going to say, my memory's so bad, it was probably new for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we just crack straight in it then, Tom. What formation have you gone with? Well, it's it's a loose formation. Uh, it's a it's a standard back four with a, with a holding midfielder. Then sort of... Four attacking midfielders and a striker, so let's call it a four-one-four-one. But I highly doubt it would actually stay that way. Nothing wrong with a bit of fluidity in, in football, you know. And no defensive responsibilities from, from the majority of midfielders. That's that's mainly as long, as long as you outscore your opponents, it's all exactly. Good. And this team definitely would. Right, start us off with the goalkeeper then. Goalkeeper, I found this the hardest pick, which I know a few people that have been on have said before. There's no, no particular goalkeeper that stands out as being like a particular idol for me. But I've, I've gone for Victor Valdez, who might not be the best goalkeeper that's ever been around in my football watching career. But you don't play, well, something like 400 league games for Barcelona and win a, win a World Cup and Euro with Spain and not be taken lightly. He's, if you look at his record, he's just, He's won pretty much everything you can win at club level. He's just yeah, he's right super ahead. good, isn't he? I think we've I think his name has popped up a few times on some of the episodes that I've I've been on, especially. And he was so, you know, we talk about teams that have got that solid spine of players, and Barca definitely had that spine. And Victor Valdez was so vital and important to that spine of a team that you can't, I don't think, underestimate his influence. But I think a lot of people do because you know. Goalkeepers often do get underestimated in that sense, but absolutely no one's ever playing everyone, everyone loves a bit of an eccentric goalkeeper, don't they? And he was that. Oh yeah, you wouldn't be able to know what he would do the, next. Uh, not exactly. You wouldn't call him reliable or consistent, but you call him eccentric, exciting to watch, which is not a usual thing for a goalkeeper. But you could be that in that Barcelona team. Yeah, and, and people forget, especially me. Obviously, his time in England at the end of his career as well. Um, but obviously, he's always going to be known for the, the Barcelona era, especially for me, mainly the 2010 to 2014 era, where 
I feel that was where Barcelona like, were fully in the, the pomp almost. Right then, so who's your right back? Right back was the easiest pick and the pick that everyone seems to go for is Cafu. The greatest right back of all time. Without a shadow of a doubt. It's difficult to argue with that, really, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> He's a player that's popped up so many times for all the right reasons that you can't... I, I cannot see anyone that could argue with you. Well, he's he's just a modern-day right-back, but he wasn't bad defensively either, which is what you see these days, where you see like marauding right-backs like Kyle Walker, who just cannot defend save his life. Cafu had the athleticism, pace, and he was good on the ball, but he was one of the most solid right-backs as well at that time. It's always good to see players that can... I guess, yeah, Cafu was that epitome of, I'll attack, but I'll also make sure I get back and secure the defensive line and make sure that the team's secure as well, which is something that, as you said, it's difficult to find in a right-back. It's either very, very good defensively or very, very good offensively, but not a combination of the two. Yeah, I did just realise I mentioned Kyle Walker in the same sentence as Cafu. Yeah, I was, you know, I was trying I to avoid myself. that almost. So that's, <laughs> yeah, I don't it was the, it was the erratic right back came to mind. It's the first one you think of, but complete complete opposites. But I think he's the most capped Brazilian of all time. He's uh, played in. I think he played in. He played definitely played in at least three World Cups, or maybe four. He's a, he's won it as captain, and that that image of him lifting the World Cup is probably one of my favorite favorite photos in football because you can just see on his face how much it means. Yeah, four four World Cups, one in one as captain, most caps, Syria legend. I think I think Ryan, I think you'll agree. I think between Cafu, Zanetti, Turam, Maldini, Carlos, I think we've basically covered our fullbacks maybe for the next five years before maybe some other players start retiring and younger younger guys than, than all of us start coming on who watch football a bit later. Um, I, I, I can't see anyone but these guys like dominating the, the fullback positions for everybody's team. Mm, absolutely. Well, on on to the left back then, Tom. Well, you said you'd covered all the fullbacks, mm. but I'm not sure you have <laughs> because uh, there's a very big difference between my left back and right back. Left backs, I can't imagine them being in anyone else's team. So Herman Horizon. So just, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna be doing some googling. Bear with me. <laughs> I guarantee the first the first stat you come up when you Google him is that he's the most relegated Premier League footballer of all time. That seems to follow him around, but he was he was better than that. He was a he was an absolute warrior because he wasn't he wasn't like like Cafu technically gifted at going forward. But if you saw him running towards you with his he had crazy eyes, like you would not want to go into a fifty fifty with him. I'm just wondering, in even the pictures that you know, when you type his name in, he looks like he's ready just to go for someone. It's good, it's good to have that passion. And then even, I can't, he must have left Pompeo over 10 years ago now, and uh, he still sent uh, sent the fans a message ahead of the Checker Trade, uh, not Checker Trade, Puff John's Trophy that we won't speak of because it was a terrible football match. Mm. And ended Kenny Jackett's very unsuccessful reign, but... The fact that he still he still feels that bond with the club's fans. It's not it's not that he's not like he came through the academy, but he's just one of those players that just gets it. 
which you don't see very often anymore. That's the thing that I think I, I, I've always absolutely loved players that even though yeah they're not like I guess a club legend or anything like you know they have not been around for the club for ten fifteen years but who who end up in a place and then even after say three or four years they still pop up on on social or whatever you know praising the team or being involved with the fans and that's the type of thing that I absolutely love players like that because it's such a good thing to see. You've also had the had the confidence to wear number seven for us at left back, so hmm. you got you got to respect that. Yeah, definitely got to respect that. His picture on Wikipedia is just incredible with the bow tie, the, the <laughs> suit jacket. That's just just incredible. It's a, a contrasting left back to the right back anyway. I think I can sense where the team's going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your honesty with the fans there, Ali, is you know it's worked out really well. <laughs> I think it gives it away. I think anybody listening, um, the fact that you go from Valdez to world class Gaffer to Henrik Reiderson, and I mean, as I say, I know who's next. So, first centre back, Tom, and I think basically we'll let the listeners kind of know your thinking to how this team's playing out. Well, well again, the two centre backs are very different. So, yes, let's, let's go with the. Best human being of all time first, which is Linvoy Primus, MBE. <laughs> if this guy, if you get a hundred Portsmouth fans to do this, every single one of them would have him in their team. He is just there is no one who could say a bad word about him. He, get, he was again not the most technically gifted. He had to fight his way back into the Portsmouth team several times, back from several injuries. He always gives a week one player of the season and when we got promoted to the Premier League. Uh, he does ridiculous amounts for charity. He is just the nicest human being you'll ever meet and every single person who's ever met him has pretty much said that. Yeah, right. I mean, the math of, you know, 100 Portsmouth fans, how, uh, I mean, I can think of one Portsmouth fan that's been on that also had Limvoy Primus in their team. Have you got any other Portsmouth fans that, you, you know, we can check how many uh, Portsmouth fans have put... Uh, Liverpool Primus in. I did, I did know there was a hundred Portsmouth fans, so <laughs> that might be a struggle. But I do know one other, uh, one that you know as well, Ryan, um, who I am planning on having on the show. So if he comes on and has him as well, that will be fair to free. If he doesn't pick him, he's not a real Portsmouth fan. You need to like. <laughs> you well, send, send him this episode before it's recorded, <laughs> just so he knows. To, he's got to keep up the you know this this not losing this trend of Liverpool Primuses popping up in Portsmouth teams. There will be no sending it, Mister Tanner. You better be listening since <laughs> I all your work. So if not, we will find out. We will catch you out. I, I know nothing about Primus as a player, as I said to you the last time, Tom. But hearing just hearing your stories um, and Ross had a few as well at the time. Um, again, it's what. I want this show to be about those little stories about, you know, what he did. The, oh, I'm sure the, like the trials and tribulations he went through as well as a player for you guys, as you say, fighting it to get back in the team. Itself. Yeah, he was he was told pretty much told by Harry Redknapp in his first spell that he wasn't good enough, and to come back after you've been told that by the manager of the football team and the season after that, win promotion and be the club's player of the season. I think yeah. says everything about his attitude. I mean, Ryan, do you remember much of the player at all? Yeah, a little bit from you know seeing sort of games on TV and stuff, but I think probably more now I guess following 
you know, listening to different episodes or being part of different episodes of Pieces of Me. Actually, it's more the charitable work stuff that he's done more recently. And I love the fact that you actually named him as Limboy Primus MBE, uh, just to make sure that it was, you know, quite give him the credit he deserves. I was, yeah, I was lucky enough, lucky enough to, uh, do an interview with him when I was about, uh, 15, 16. It was when we were in year 11 at school. I don't know how you're old then. It's so long ago. Um, cause he ran a, I think it was called the Enterprise Challenge, where it was about, um, year 10, year 11 in business studies, students sort of finding ways to raise money for charitable causes. And we did a, uh, our team made a sort of like a magazine, like a short magazine a couple of times to make some money. And I was lucky enough to get an interview with him and just, just speaking to him on the phone. I don't think I've ever been that, that nervous in my life. <laughs> As like a 15, 16 year old, just speaking to one of your heroes, just on the phone. I was just shaking. I was like, I, I can barely remember it. I was that nervous. Yeah. Those are the moments you want, especially like if, if it's a hero type player, you know, that you really got doing. He leaves that impression on you as well, even after meeting or, or speaking to um the, the last thing you want to be is like disappointed or let down. And it seems like Primus just is never going to be one of those guys, as you say, um just a just a Portsmouth hero basically for, for everyone, as you say. So I mean I'm excited now to who's gonna be pairing in, in centre back. You know, Ali's given the indication that it's they're two very different players. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see who your second centre back is. Well, I'd say they're similar in terms of <laughs> spirit and maybe hair length, <laughs> but not a lot else. <laughs> His centre-back partner is Carlos Puyol, who, again, with Valdez, played in that played in that Barcelona team that I grew up watching. Was just absolutely amazed by. He's the the perfect leader. There's so many clips of him. Just I can't remember who the player was, but the one that sticks with me most is when one of the Barcelona players. I think he gets hit by something from the crowd or something. He goes down, like, rolling around, holding his face or something. And yeah. Poyol just pulls him off the floor, just says, get on with it, just runs back. And it just it just sums him up. He's another one who's just won everything. But that spirit and to be able to pull off that haircut 15 years at the top level, it's just something else. Yeah, and then there was the, I think there's other ones where, you know, players are celebrating in the corner, like, doing a little dance or something. He, like, runs up to him, slaps him on the back of the head. It's like, we do it and stop overdoing it just come back and get ready to kick off or whatever um i don't know if you saw it the other day there was something it's fortunately you know, in, in a way it did have to re-record it there was a, a carlos Poyle thing on instagram where he was playing, yeah, yeah he was, he yeah, was playing, he's, he's, you know he was playing something with his mate and to chase a ball down that had been over kicked or whatever he decided to run and jump through a glass wall <laughs> slash window and he's covered in cuts and blood or whatever and he that is his mentality he's but like I don't he's care that it's glass still there. smiling as well in the photo isn't he he looks like he's actually enjoying it he's probably buzzing the fact that yeah. like yeah look at me I just I made he probably like smashed it and still recovered the ball no problem and then probably. thought oh I'm probably bleeding now oh wait you know <laughs> nothing ever phased him in that just, he's just the utmost professional I think we said it when we were on with Emma uh, Ryan he's just ability wise he's nowhere near like when you when you talk of the best defenders in the world, but someone who's just a leader who you want running your defence, importance, um, whatever he lacked in ability in any way, um, he was still good. But 
he made up every other way that made him completely a world-class player, almost world-class person, more than just defender, if that makes sense. Um, but it's just the video you said, Ryan, about the celebration, the, the lighter, you know, on the ground and players trying to complain to referees and that, and he's just thrown away and trying to get on with the game. Um, just, yeah, he's just a proper, proper, just gentleman who just loved playing football, loved the game. And it's it's hard to say nice things about Barcelona players. It's, it's almost impossible to say a bad word about him. No, absolutely. Agreed. That's a good pick. He's one of those picks that I think, I think probably hasn't happened too often because I think there, there are other players that people would pick from a potentially a flashier point of view, if that makes sense. But Poyol was not underrated by any stretch, but I think because he just got on with the game, you know, he, he potentially doesn't get as much credit compared to some of those other defenders. Yeah, not underrated, but maybe un- underappreciated. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I would compare it to like the, the Benzema of today's game as well. He's, Benzema is a totally underappreciated striker, but yeah, his record is incredible. And, and Puyol's that for Barcelona. You, when you think of the clean sheets and what he's won for club and country, and how many appearances he made, and um, I mean, he, you know, he, he babysat a young PK and all the way through from like the, the Barcelona poor days to when they became really good and he was the key figure through it all um, and as you say Ryan like when you mentioned like the flashier players and even just the uh, I don't know I'm trying to think I'd say bigger names but Puyol such a big name in the world of the football but yeah he just it's yeah just underappreciated it's just a key word he just he really doesn't get the, the praise and credit he deserves for his for his whole career that's the back four sewing up we only have really one more defensive player to go, Tom. The rest can are basically getting a free roll. So who's the the holding midfielder, the the anchor of that midfield? The one, the one defensive-minded midfielder in my team, and very defensive-minded is my second-to-last Portsmouth pick, and again, someone who will probably never be picked or hasn't been picked so far is uh, Richard Hughes, who I'm sure probably both of you don't even. No. Yup. Yeah. Educate us. <laughs> well, Richard Hughes was the ultimate defensive midfielder back in the day when we weren't particularly good side. He had next to no footballing ability, I think it's fair to say, but he would make a ridiculous amount of fouls a game. He would break everything up and just let all the other players play football he <laughs> you some of the challenges he put he would have been sent off pretty much every game if you played in the modern day especially in the premier league especially with var because he was he was out to just just stop any opposing attack by any means he just did the dirty work he well, you could, i think he scored he played about 150 league games for portsmouth and scored one goal and that was in his last ever match in the championship after we got relegated. He, I did see him score in the League Cup against Hereford, though. So that's a <laughs> that's a uh, that's a positive. But doesn't look like he was a player that scored many goals. He didn't. I think he scored three goals in his whole time here. One of them was a uh, FA Cup against Liverpool, and we beat him one nil. Though, so there's some good highlights in his career. Another one was when he got Cristiano Ronaldo sent off because Ronaldo headbutted him. Uh, 
And that was that's just a reason to love him as well. It's, he's again, he's just barely a footballer, but allowed everyone else to be better. Such a strange career he's had. I mean, born in Glasgow, played youth football in Atlanta, um, then at Arsenal, and then obviously his main career was Bournemouth and, and Portsmouth, as you said. Um, I mean, only five cats for Scotland. Um, well, yeah, that proves he's not got much in the footballing department, that, doesn't it? Really, that, really that's that. exactly where I was leaving that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're not getting many cats for Scotland in that era, then um, <laughs> I don't really know what to tell you. I mean, that might have been a sign to maybe give up a lot well, of they, then, but They must have had Scott Brown to do that job. 2005, 16 years ago. No, he wouldn't. That would have been Barry Ferguson, I think. I think 2004, 5, 15, 16 years ago, Scott Brown would have been a, a nipper. He would have been. He would have been in the Scotland squad at the time. I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> but as I say, I, I have no recollection of it at all. Um, I just, I just find, I found his like projection of his career from youth to professional just quite, quite strange for a boy from Glasgow. I mean, Ryan, do you know the player at all? Not at all, no. Um... So it's good to good to get a bit of an education on it. I think I, I mean I like players like that, that do the dirty work almost. And I think yeah, based on what you said, definitely wouldn't survive in the Premier League uh, these days. But I, I think uh, the only type of player that I can almost compare a little bit is horribly Dennis Wise in a way because he would just he would do the dirty work and yeah. it'd just be all about the shit houseery to to get players sent off and stuff in like that. That Fernandinho does it for Man City now. And I'm not comparing the two players at all. But it just it would just break up the players, take the other card, just get on with it. Yeah, and players, are, it, it, it's a very selfless job. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, you, you're probably going to pick up what twenty-ish cards a season, but the team will be in a much better position for it. It's the sort of player as if if it was from Football Manager, he'd get a six point two every game because he's not <laughs> actually done anything good with the ball, and he's getting booked every game. So far, Tom, you've compared Cafu to Kyle Walker and put Richard Hughes and Fernandinho in the same sentence together. Yeah, um, I think that's fair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I'm trying to work out where we go next. Um, well, one of the midfielders is definitely going to be playing on the right. Right, let's go that's, with the right one. First. That's a good place to start, as any. And that's mainly because he's a right back, but I couldn't get him at right back as Cafu. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's, uh, it's Dario Serna, who has played right midfield at various points in his career. Not very often, but he has done it. So I'm, I'm allowing myself to get him in at right midfield if I had to get him in. He's one of my favourite... He's, he's one of my favourite players of all time. And I don't really know why. Like, he's not someone that I've seen play a particular lot of times. Obviously, he's played for Shakhtar Donetsk for most of his career. But I've always... I've always liked watching him play when I've seen him. He's a free kick specialist. He, I've, I did quite like the Croatian team growing up. Again, no idea why. I think it's because when I was younger, I liked the kit, the yeah. weird mm. red and white checks that they had. So I, I just picked a player out, and he was always the one I followed. I think again, I think he is the most capped Croatian of all time as well. I was always disappointed he never came to a Premier League because I would have loved to see him have a couple of seasons in the Premier League. Either yeah. way, it could, could it be anything to do with that? Because the only real reason I know Dario Serna is football manager. Yeah. Because he would well, always... Football manager, I think it was 07, 
Yeah, it would be the first player pretty much any of the big clubs would sign. Yeah. You'd always need a right back, and it would always, always be Darius Serner. That is probably one of the reasons. (laughs) And uh, because I I just Googled like Darius Serner football manager, it's like Darius Serner was a football manager legend. Um, and people are going, like, people are saying, yeah, like, he was a player that just was always there. And you'd, even up until, I guess, fairly recently until he retired, that you'd, if you needed a right back, obviously, depending on what league you were in, he'd always be a player that was available, <laughs> despite in real life never leaving, you know, shacked up by the looks of it, or a majority of his team, majority of his career. Um, but yeah, you, he'd always be a player that you'd probably bring in. Because you knew he'd be consistent. He always got really good ratings as well. Cheers, yeah. And I've, he's one of my favourite football shirts that I own is a shout out to Nick's shirt with a with Cerner on the back, the uh, orange and black stripes as well. It's just beautiful. I love that kit. It's just something special about it. Um, for me, yeah, it's the football manager side that I remember him from, um, and I feel like he was always tipped to come to Europe every summer. I feel he was like the the main transfer target for like almost all the European teams, but never ever left. He just, you almost started to doubt whether he was actually a real player. You know, he was touted that that around. Um, I'm sure Chelsea were tipped for him um, for about three seasons in a row when when Roman first came in. He would have been a very typical Roman player at the time, to be fair. I'm almost glad he didn't go there anyway. Yeah, no, no, agreed. I think it was always with him. It's always that a little bit that mystique because he never came to anywhere in Europe, like a, a big club in it, in the top European leagues or um, the Premier League. I think because everyone will always think about what he could have done rather than the reality of what would have like have actually happening. Assistant manager and then director of football now as well at Shakhtar. So. You know, so you could just see the pure love and loyalty he had for that one club as well. Which there is something special and magical about that, isn't it? When there's a player playing at a club for so long and then stays involved in the latter part of his life. Especially considering he's not even from the Ukraine. He's Croatian. He's not, he didn't come through their academy. It's just, so he must have just fallen in love with the club, which makes it in a way more special. Is he Shakhtar Donetsk's most famous player, favourite, longest, like most recognisable player? Uh, can you name any others? Well, no, I can't. <laughs> no, my, my knowledge of football isn't probably as, as well as yours, Tom. <laughs> I'd say so. I, I couldn't name any others off the top of my head that weren't random Brazilians. Yeah, no. Can't, I can't even think of even a player who even played there. That's how bad it is. I just All I can see is the orange and black kit. Yeah, incredible at the time. A bit like I mean, my my love for kits isn't quite as mad as your obsession, Tom. But um, I I do love I do love a kit. That's that's the one thing that kind of attracted me to football at the very beginning was the was the colours, um, and that was just the one that stood out. It wasn't like the generic kit like you know most other teams had at that time. <sighs> Who are you going to play on the the left hand side? Let's try and keep this as a Semi-normal formation. Okay, right. Left-hand side. Out of the three remaining, the left-hand side would have to be Danielson. And that's the original Danielson, not the cheap uh, Primark version that played for Arsenal. 
the proper the proper Danielson who was in a way overshadowed when he played, despite once being the most expensive player in the world, I think it was in the late nineties. He was overshadowed in that era because there were so many other good Brazilians. But if you just watch him with the ball at his feet, his dribbling, his skills were just unbelievable. And he's one of the players I loved watching growing up. But and and again, a shame he never really did that much in his club career, as opposed well in regards to playing for massive teams. But when he was playing for Brazil in that fantastic team of the sort of late nineties, early two thousands, it's just incredible to watch. One of the most skillful players I think I've ever seen. Yeah, like he was part of that Brazil team that like I could wax lyrical about now, especially now that I'm grown up and my like unnatural hatred for Brazil is gone. Um but that nineties Brazil team, nineties, um, early noughties, you know, the players were um, just they bring a joy that no other Brazil team will do again for me, um anyway. They obviously the younger generation coming through who are watching a different level, you know, the Neymars and that type of player will do it for them. But the Danielson, the Babettos, the Rivaldos, the Ronaldos um, they just I don't know it was just I'm guessing everybody thinks the same about their own era that they watch of certain players and certain football but for me it's always going to be the late 90s early 90s when it comes to talking about my love of, my love of football and, and sport in general um, because that's when you're you know you first start truly appreciating I was born in 84 so like you know 2000 I'm 16 which is you know fully understanding football you the childness, or you only like one team, and you can start appreciating others is all away, and you start learning more about formations, and you know you look into more of the stats and numbers as well. I guess um, not as bad as some of the wankers today, but <laughs> it was just incredible. And, and seeing them in the green and white betis kit as well, that when you first started watching La Liga on Sky, um, I think that came about probably the early noughties as well. That Syria had kind of not died. Um, but the popularity had probably gone away a bit, and La Liga had started to take it, take it over at that time, um, especially in, in Champions League time as well. I'm pretty sure it would have been, well, Madrid won it in 2002, so, you know, from about then is when you started team, seeing the teams like Valencia and that doing really well in Europe, and yeah, that's when you've seen, Betis. I, I assume that's where he got the world record transfer free. That, from, from Betis, yeah. Yeah. When they bought him from Sao Paulo, which it was apparently only twenty one million, which is nothing in these these terms. I mean, Alex Awobi's more expensive than that these days. Oh, we can't mention. <laughs> you just stop this, Tom. Another <laughs> comparison, you know. That's oh, not yeah. that's and Awobi are the same player. Yeah, well, I remember. I remember. Uh, Danielson's another one who links back to early football manager. I remember Championship Manager one oh two. I always used to, I don't, I, I was young, I was naive in the game. I always used, just used to manage Barcelona because I just wanted to win everything. And I always used to just cheat because you could never sign Danielson. So I had to add another manager as Betty's manager and then sell him to myself because that's how desperate I was to have him in my team. <laughs> and as a sort of 11 year old playing computer games, you don't care about cheating. You just want to be the best. It doesn't matter how you do it. I'm 37 and still do that with at least one season, <laughs> one save that I set up. There is nothing more enjoyable than ruining a team. 
Mr. Scout Manager has a great career, doesn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> First name, second name. <laughs> um, Ryan Danielson, do you remember m- much? Not much at all, to be honest. I think it, it's probably one of those things where, you know, that time, as you said, it overshadowed a little bit in terms of. He probably he would have been playing. I mean, I guess a, a majority of his career probably would have been happening, especially when I was a lot younger, and my focus would have solely been on uh, Premier League football. So I, I probably wouldn't have seen many many games with him either. And then I guess when you talk about some of those Brazilian teams around the time, probably you were talking about other players rather than um, Danielson himself. You know, two thousand and two was his was he even in the World Cup? Tom, the two thousand and two they won. I mean, he retired from international football in 2003. I'm not sure he made the squad. He had some... It's saying, it's saying that he represented the... Uh, the end of his career. I know he played in 1998, but... Yeah, it's suggesting on Wikipedia that he did he did represent the team oh, in did. 2002, but whether he actually played any games yeah. is probably a different story. But he's still a name that, I throw, as I say, I throw in amongst the... The, the little group, like, you know, the Romarios, the Babettos, as I say, the Rivaldo, obviously Ronaldinho was much later, but just those those Brazilian players that just made football fun um, back in a time that, I mean, I know we mentioned Carlos and, and Cafu a lot, but it was a Brazil team that generally couldn't defend, and they didn't care about defending, um, and it was just fun to watch. They just, as I say, the, the, the smiles on their faces when they play and, and players like Danielson, and I've mentioned it with Romario a couple of times because he's been picked quite a few times recently. The players that, because of Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, I would say they were the, you know, the superstars almost of their eras. That like players sometimes are forgotten about, like a Danielson, um, Babetto as well as another one who I don't know why he always sticks in my head. Maybe the celebration. Remember when he scored and just had the baby? Um, they, they they pulled out the the celebration. I think it was a World Cup. Um, but it just it just always sticks in your head, and Daniel is just always going to be one of those. Um, and I encourage anybody who's who's a, bit, a little bit younger just to go back and and even look at like the the World Cups if that's the only footage you can get. But just those late nineties, early nineties Brazil team, uh, it's just so much fun. We'll just call these next two attacking midfielders, shall we, or mm-hmm. do what they want, players? Well, pretty much. I mean, you can't really. Can't really argue, and they've both been mentioned actually in the last ten minutes. Uh, we we'll go with the first one. First one being Rivaldo, who's probably one of the players who outshone Danielson in a way. Another player just with ridiculous skills, but the the main reason I picked Rivaldo is because he's re- just responsible for the best hat trick of all time against Valencia, I think it was in the early two thousands for Barcelona. Uh, just. To finish off a hat-trick with a 20-yard overhead kick is just ridiculous and just shows how good a player he was, especially in that Barcelona team as well, who just just were incredible. It's not something you see every day, is it? You know, let alone a 20-yard uh, overhead kick, but let alone want to finish a hat-trick. It's not, yeah, it's not something you often see. And then, I mean, I, the problem with Rivaldo, I've got a little bit, I'll say the problem... Um, I will always. Whenever someone says Ronaldo, I'll exactly. always think about the goddamn corner fl- corner incident. Yeah. And it's one of the things where you can't not think about that, and that is a shame because you shouldn't do. But you still think about it because it's just one of the most known clips 
uh, of all time almost. And, you know, yeah, you're talking about that special hat trick, and I'm just sat, sat there thinking, oh yeah, but he once fell over when the ball hit his leg and he clutched his face at a corner. I think it. I think it was against Turkey, wasn't it? And when they winning something like four two or something. It wasn't. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a game where you needed to do any. Not that you ever need to do it, but <laughs> it was just. Well, you know, sometimes you know players do it because to, to gain a particular advantage. But yeah, it definitely wasn't needed uh, then. But I guess the the thing that always bothers me is the blatantness of how bad it actually. Is. Absolutely. If only yeah. VAR was around. Exactly. You're not cheating, you're not trying to win. I say that, they probably still get it wrong, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, he did it, his face. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, obviously that doesn't take away anything from, from him as a player because he was absolutely fantastic. And, he, he, you know, there's a few players that you'd always, either on, say, football managers or your FIFAs or whatever, you know, there's there are always players that you cover to try and get. And, and uh, he was definitely within that that list of players. My my first memory, not first as in first happened, but the first thing that springs to mind um, is obviously as a Liverpool thing when he scored the free kick for Olympiacos. I was convinced he had knocked us out the Champions League um, for the the O five obviously final, which we went on to win. But uh, we needed to win by two clear goals in the last group stage against Olympiacos, and he curls a free kick in about twenty minutes into the game, thirty minutes into the game. I was like, oh well, that'll be that then, done. Um, but obviously that worked out worked out well um, in the end. But yeah, the the, the hat trick, the the Barcelona career, the <laughs> you can I, I love the, the the pretend that they hit your face and fall down. I'm pretty sure it worked and got a man sent off. I think it uh, did, yeah. It did, yeah. So yeah, it worked. So there's nothing to complain about there. Um, <laughs> just yeah, again, I, I mentioned it obviously before, and I genuinely hadn't looked at the. These next two players, um, and I realise I've spoke about them a lot, which looks really premeditated, but it's genuine. Just as I say, that that Brazilian era, he's just he is one of the pinnacle of that era. Would you say, Tom? Just so crucial in everything for Ronaldo, especially. Definitely, yeah, definitely. In in the era where they had so many world class players, he was still one that shone above the majority of the rest of them. Am I right in thinking he scored against Leeds? Is that why Ross isn't on this? <laughs> he was so upset that, you know, we had a secret conversation where he said, I'm not going to be on it because um, Leeds is going to get bought up again. I, I can't remember. I, I've got a feeling he scored an overhead kick against Leeds in the Champions League. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, when the the Robinson era, when they were in the Champions League, I don't know what year. Yeah, they got that one year, didn't they? And I'm sure, I'm sure he scored an overhead kick. That might be one to bring up to Ross when we're finished. Um, Either that, we'll just find the clip and post it to Ross anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, whatever we can do. Um, Yeah, look, I love the pick. Um, As you say, I think he's above mentioned enough how good he was, how important he was to that Brazil team and that Barcelona team at the era. I mean, it's it's hard to think back to a, a Barcelona who wasn't this juggernaut that they are today. Uh, well, maybe not today, maybe a few seasons ago. Definitely not today. <laughs> but like they they were good back then, but they weren't really, you know, the dominant force that they became. Um, they were they were obviously hard to beat, and if you came up against them, especially at the new camp, they were probably favourites. But 
they were by no, especially in Europe, they were nowhere near winning winning trophies or they were almost like a, a gatekeeper. You know, if you did if you beat them, you did well to you would be doing well in the tournament sort of thing. So uh, he, he's just so crucial. As I say, the Brazil team, uh, we need more players like Rivaldo in the game, bringing it back to that sort of player. Um, but who, who's partner I'm in the attacking midfield slot? It's a good transition into the uh, next player. With uh, the next player is Ronaldinho. Similar era, slightly later. It was around. It was around at a similar time, but he was mainly mainly known for me in that Bar- that Barcelona team, the team I grew up watching, the team that made me like, fall properly in love with football in sort of the mid two thousands when. He, I still think he's probably the most technically gifted footballer of all time. I mean, just the things he could do with the football. It was just like he was mocking his opponents. Just that his legs just flying everywhere, but still had control of the ball. Just, I, you just watch him and you think, how? How was he doing that? Just sprinting, he had the pace, he had the power and the skill. It's just a complete attacking footballer. Yeah, I think he's the most enjoyable player to watch and in my lifetime um, just a player who just constantly played with a smile on his face uh, Ryan I think he's been mentioned a few times when when it's been me and you and you kind of run out of words to say about the man I mean Bonadinia is one of those players that you, yeah you can't it's so difficult to describe him because of how good he was um, and based on certain clips I mean I know he's, he's playing against people in prison in, in certain cases, but he still looks good today. Um, but just the epitome, I, I'll always remember things, again, taking it back to gaming, like FIFA Street, where you'd always be doing all these different tricks and everything. And he'd always be that player where instinctively you'd pass him the ball. Instead of just doing something simple, you'd always be spamming the skill button or the skill like unbox <laughs> it. You're like, oh, he, he could definitely pull this off. And he often would, to be fair. Um, but no, I mean, super talented. I mean, he scored some absolute cracking goals, including one against Chelsea. I think we won that game anyway, so it was all right. But he scored this, like, outside-the-boot, toe-poke slash... No backlift, was it? It was just... Stupid goal. Unreal. Just, you know, from a standing position, just, oh, yeah, I'll just put this round, round all of you, no problem. So, I mean, one of the best players... I, I still think one of the best players... I think a lot of people forget there was the sort of crossover period with Messi where they both played together. And in a way, Messi sort of of modelled his game on Ronaldinho. You you can see so many similarities between the two. Yeah, absolutely. I'd imagine Barcelona fans and probably football fans in general just almost wishes they could have got a couple more seasons, the two of them together, to see what they could have achieved. Um, But obviously he moved on to Milan after that and but just a player who just enjoyed life as well as football. Maybe a bit too much, hence where he is, <laughs> where he's ended up. But um, I bet he's still got that massive smile on his face, doesn't oh, he? Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't think that ever goes away. And I think, again, I think that's why we love him. He, he must be the most YouTube footballer. Maybe Messi's overtook him now because obviously he's done some stuff in the game that's been, you know, fairly admirable. But. For just sheer enjoyment, I don't know. I think there's been a player I've looked at more than Ronaldinho. Even like you, you know the the fake clips of the hit in the crossbar 
967 times in a row, so <laughs> fucking bit. You know, just even the bits of skill. I remember him at Celtic Park, and he, he did this like when he flicked his foot both ways at one time and put it through a defender's legs, and just ridiculous. He, I, I always said he could do more with a football with his feet than than jugglers could with their with their hands in a tennis ball. It was just absolute nonsense what he could do. I think one of my favourite clips of Ronaldinho wasn't even in the game. I think it was in a warm up where he's just booting the ball miles into the air and just controlling it. Just controlling it. It's, it's, it just landed on his foot like a computer game where you're playing on easy. And the, whatever you do, the ball just sticks to your foot. It's just incredible. Yeah, he, he genuinely done things that when you're playing in a computer game, you're like, yeah, that would never happen in real life. You know, stuff like that just can't happen. And he, he did it on a regular basis. I need to go and watch that video that you're talking about because it is just fun to watch him kick the ball up and he, he does like a little shuffle when he controls it on his toe. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's 10 out of your 11. Is your striker going to live up to the to the attacking midfielder? Well, you've got... you've got What have you got with the attacking midfielders? You've got goals, you've got pace, you've got skill. You need some work rate. You need some work rate and that's why we're going with Ben Jarvis. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Oh. I was going to try and get Ryan to guess. <laughs> oh, let's just say I wouldn't have picked Ben Jarvis. So. <laughs> yeah, I had to get another Pompey in just to get up to four Pompey, ex-Pompey players in there. And another player who just constantly played with a smile on his face and is loved by the majority of Portsmouth fans will forget about the time he came back and he'd completely lost all of his pace and ability in the Championship, and we were a terrible side. We'll forget that ever happened. And just like <laughs> the Premier League years, where he he took so long to get off the mark with his goal scoring as a striker. But he got by no means he was he ever going to be a prolific goal scorer for us. But the work he put in, the, the contributions he made to the side, it... it it's just a fun player to watch. You just knew... Similar, I'm going to make another comparison now, aren't I? I was going to compare him to Ollie Watkins in the Premier League now. You just, you just see him. He just, he's just sprinting for 90 minutes. You think, I haven't seen this guy stand still yet. I'm going to love, I, I, I can't wait for this episode to come out and we need to like pin Simon down for this one and say, what do you think about this comparison of Benjani <laughs> to Ollie Watkins? I mean, Ollie Watkins has probably already scored more goals in his career than Benjani, but <laughs> that's, that's irrelevant. The, my favourite thing about Benjani, I think, obviously, we, I'm sure we spoke about it the last time we recorded this, was the, the Harry Redknapp story about him. I was just thinking this, where he, where he was leaving, but he didn't yeah, want to leave. He didn't want to go, but he's like, you're going. Because didn't Man City offer a stupid amount of money for him? We, they offered an amount of money that we just couldn't turn down, and he really didn't want to go. You could tell he didn't want to go, but <laughs> we had no option. Yeah. Harry's like, no, you're going. <laughs> no choice. Absolutely none. Is there not another one where... Is it, is it Benjani that Red that was talking about when they had a bet on goal scoring? I think it could be Benjani as well. Was, did he have a really good season one season? Uh, he Well, I mean, it depends what you mean by good. <laughs> good for his standards, maybe. He did score a hat-trick in when we beat Reading 7-4 in the highest scoring Premier League. And so that's another reason to remember him and his... And his, uh, his celebration with the, the pointing pointing at the crowd and then whipping across, which you might not remember unless you're a Pompey fan, but we all, we'll still remember it. It's back in the days when Carnu did it as well. 
I sort yeah. of do remember him, but I think I remember him slightly more. I say remember, but you know, slightly more from the Man City um, when he went to Man City because I think at the time everyone was questioning it a little bit in terms of he hasn't scored that many goals. And um, Man City was that was that when the new owners had taken over? Was it that summer? Yeah, I think or? it was when they're about to in the Rubinho era, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. And they were just snapping at players for fun. Yeah, I do remember him scoring the winner in a Manchester derby once. So that's enough of him if if you don't like Man United. Yeah, I love that. And did he score against Portsmouth as well? I don't think he did. Oh. His first goal at the City of Manchester Stadium was against his former club, Portsmouth. Oh, there we go. He refused refused to celebrate, though, so maybe that's why. Yeah, I've, I've just blocked that out from my memory, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> Sorry, but but you know, it's good the fact that he didn't celebrate, he didn't do you know an adabio or run down the bottom of the pitch or anything <laughs> like that. The greatest celebration of Premier League. <laughs> I think like like Ben Janney aside, obviously you've you've only had what three Portsmouth players? Four. Uh, four. Four. Oh yeah, four. I think people people listening obviously they'll see where Portsmouth is today, but they forget. Portsmouth had some really, really good players um, in that Premier League era. Um, you know, obviously, the one that went on to win the FA Cup. And, but players who went on to play for some really big teams as well. Uh, just consistent, consistently good during that era. Definitely. I've got to, got to remember we won the Premier League. Uh, Premier League, sorry, won the FA Cup. Uh, made it to, <laughs> wishful thinking, made it to a, a FA Cup final, finished in the top half, got into Europe, had a had a UEFA Cup campaign. Yeah, I think we had uh, Lasana Diara when he was young, who was one of the oh best. God, Lasana Diara, best oh players I've ever seen at Portsmouth. He was incredible. Yeah, I remember that. Just when you look back at that squad at the time, you just—it's it's another one of those stories, obviously, that you just. Almost wish the club was well, obviously run better at the time, so you didn't end up in the situation where you are now. So many internationals as well. We had England internationals. We had David James, Crouch, yeah. Sol yeah. Campbell, Sylvain Distan, and the the left side was always fun when you had Bell Hadge and Traore just both playing left wing back. It was it, we were a fun team to watch in the Premier League for the majority of it until the uh, financial. You know, we don't talk about that. Right. You know. we, we can we can ignore that for you. We'll remember the good times. We've had a lot of bad times, but there's definitely <laughs> good times to remember. And now that ja- now that jacket's gone, only the, the only way is up. Surely. <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> we must be. Must be <laughs> improving. Can't get worse. Well, I say we can't get worse. We've been worse in the last few years. So who knows? I'm not predicting anything. I feel you've probably done the same as most people and try and avoid it picking like 11 players from your club team. So is there any other Portsmouth players that you might have considered to go in? Um, any players that do stand out? Obviously, you mentioned some really, really good players there. Obviously, yeah. still playing and some yeah, still playing. Yeah, still playing. There's obviously um, players like Matty Taylor and Gary O'Neill who were with us yeah. uh, when we got promoted and played for us in the Premier League for a number of years. Uh, both got linked with the manager's job recently as well after Jack had left, but maybe a bit too young and inexperienced for the manager's job. Uh, Sveslav Todorov, who was a fantastic footballer who had his career ruined by injuries as well. 
who I think Greg picked in his team. Mm-hmm. He did, he yeah, did, I just wanted to check that, yeah. Just uh, one of the most natural goal scorers we've ever seen at Fratton Park. Just, just, just if he got the ball in the box, he'd just score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anybody, any Portsmouth fans listening, if you want to go back and listen to Greg's team, I mean, you'll get Matty Taylor, as you mentioned, Tom, uh, Diara as well, and and Todorov. Just yeah, if you go a bit further back, we've got, of course, Paul Merson, uh, Robert Rosanecki, who was obviously winding down his career at that point, but a fantastic footballer still. Yeah, did Merson not have a really good season with yourselves as well? He did. It was again towards the end of his career. But Merson's another player that I feel probably is another one that's really underappreciated because of the the off-field stuff kind of overtakes the the football yeah. and ability that a lot, of, especially younger guys. And even myself, I didn't really truly appreciate how good Merson was until probably until I started doing this podcast and the names started coming up, and then you go back and watch. You know stuff that he did. Um, I mean, a player that played for you is that I'm curious about what Portsmouth fans is just because how much I love him. What's Crouch thought of for for Pompey fans? I think the majority of him, majority of us, appreciate him as a player. We forget he played for Southampton. That didn't happen, but he had two spells at us, so that doesn't uh, that, that wipes out one of the Southampton spells. But yeah, he was he him and Defoe formed a fantastic partnership for us in the yeah, Premier League. I mean, he's, you know, he's not the player who's going to run in behind defences and outpace the defenders and stuff like that, but he made the most of what he had. I, I loved Crouch as a player. I just thought he was excellent for us. I, his link-up and hold-up play was, was incredible. Um, we, he was actually better with his feet than he was in the air. Well, he scored a couple of overhead kicks, didn't he, as well? Which is someone, yeah. for, someone who's nine foot tall. Was a quite <laughs> Even his volley, was it when he was at Stoke? The yeah, boy from the cut, you know, like running away from goal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he still t- he spoke about that not long ago on his podcast. That he gets annoyed when people say it's luck. It's like it's not like I tried that every single day in training. <laughs> um, I mean, Ryan, I mean, thoughts on Tom's team, and then do you want to run through it for everyone? So uh, it's a good thing I did write it down, actually. Um. You know, saying you were going to write it down, or you'd already had it written down. Um, I mean, it's, it's a good thing. I like, you know, there's a lot of good picks in there, and I like how you know it started off with that Barcelona spine at the start, and then sort of merged a little bit into a bit of a Pompey spine. Um, and there's just some good, really good picks in there, players that I wouldn't have thought of, but players that have made me think. You know, people like Cerner, for example, who I wouldn't have really thought about until you mentioned him again. Uh, so it's always a good sign. So in goal, we've got Victor Valdez. We've got a back four of Cafu, Linvoy Primus, MBE, uh, Carlos Poyol, and, and hopefully I'm going to say this right, Herman Ryderson? Yes. Yes. Good job, me. Uh, defensive midfield, although we, I guess we'll use that a little bit loosely when we get to the rest of the midfield. Uh, Richard Hughes. <laughs> right mid of Dario Serna, who Tom claims played there a few times in his career, and a left-sided midfielder of Danielson, and then you've got two AMs, or attacking midfielders, of Rivaldo and Ronaldinho, and Benjani up front. That's a cracking 11. Who have you picked as your captain, Tom? Uh, well, there's so many options. I can't even... 
I think I'm going to have to go... Uh, I've changed my mind about three times already today. <laughs> I'm going to have to go for Carlos Puyol, I think. I'm tempted by Cafu, I'm tempted by Limboy Primus, but I'm going to give it to Carlos Puyol just for... Just because he's just such a born leader. He is the perfect role. You have changed it from the last time, so I have. I meant mm. him as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you would do that. Um, but P- Puyol, yeah, Puyol's the the captain. You know, if you've got like a Puyol or a Roy Keane in your team, you know those types of players. There's only one captain you can have. Because I, I don't think I'd pick anyone else for the captain. To be fair, yeah, Puyol would be my choice in in your team as well if I was picking. So yeah, not great choice. Um, well, Tom, that brings us to the end. So thank you very much for joining us. Do you want to let the listeners know where they can find you? And if you want to promote anything at the moment, even your, your shirt collection post? Yeah, yeah they can uh, find me on Twitter, Alano11. And on Instagram, uh, my current project is uh, it's called uh, Shirt From Every Nation. It's where I'm trying to get a national team or club shirt from every FIFA affiliated nation there's 211 of them um, I'm up to well I've got about 50 or 60 odd at the moment I think I've posted about 30 on my Instagram page but I think it's going to take me a while I didn't really think it through but it's a good project it's a good long term project to work on and there's some really good obscure kits on there as well some, as well as some classics throughout the years yeah it's, it's great as we mentioned earlier on the show like kits to me are, are really what makes me love football. Even today, I still find like the maddest, weirdest kits and, and want to buy them and teams I've never heard of or teams are way down. I think there was one in the summer that um, that I looked to get. It was from like League 2 and the kits were just mental. I loved it. Um, Ryan, for yourself, where can they find you? And have you got any shows out at the moment or just, just, just with us? Just, just, just with you guys. Uh, now the mo- uh, they can follow me on Twitter at the Ryan Goodman. Um, same on Instagram as well. But I usually just tweet about either games or Chelsea at the moment. So fair enough. I mean, so we're, we're kind of restricted to what we can tweet about at the moment. Um, hopefully, things are getting back to normal as we go along. You can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. And um, Chris does a great job of keeping them all up to date. Um, where you will find all our podcast feed as well. We will have, whenever you listen to this, Eleven Piece and Me come out every Thursday. Chris and the gang every Friday where they review, uh, preview the Premier League for the upcoming weekend and talk about football all around the world. Um, Chris does an incredible amount of research for that. Maybe a bit bit too much for anybody who's, who's been on. Um, Ryan can vouch for me there. And... Me, Dave and Simon are with you every Monday or Tuesday, depending on when the weekend finishes up the Premier League, where we talk you through all the games from the weekend. Um, so please check us out. Interact with us on social media. We, we, we do love your interactions. Um, thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining me. No problem. Thanks to you all at home for listening. And always remember, keep your man in the post.